0: Hello, and welcome to this week's episode of the Safety Brief. With the holidays coming up and a known rise in online shopping, we would like to empower end users with knowledge to navigate online marketplace securely. I have Mike and Matt here today. Um, Thank you both for being here as always. I appreciate the uh, expert advice and safe practices.
1: Absolutely, thanks for having us.
0: Of course. So the digital marketplace is dynamic, uh, with evolving trends and challenges, online shops provide convenience, but also expose users to various cyber threats. To start off, how can we distinguish between secure and unsecured websites while making online purchases?
2: One has an S and the other doesn't.
1: <laughs> oh, yeah, that's true. Unpack that a little bit, Matt. What about uh, how would I identify that on my mobile phone or on my desktop?
2: Uh, On phone, I'd have to pull one up and take a look, but if you are using Chrome, which most people are using Chrome on their desktops, uh, I don't know anybody that uses Edge aside from downloading Chrome. So, you know, there's that. (laughs) Uh, Hashtag, we love you, Edge. Thank you. Uh, That's how we get our Chrome. Uh, If you go to a secure website, first off, the actual host name is going to start with the prefix of HTTPS colon. But moreover, you're going to have a little lock that shows up next to that. Because when you go to the actual site, the pref- the, the prefix goes away. You're only going to see something like, you know, let's use Slack, for example, app.slack.com. That's where you're going to actually see. But that lock, if you click on it, will actually come up and tell you connection is secure. You can actually look in there and you can see your exam or your information, for example, passwords. Uh, credit card numbers, et cetera, are private when sent to the site. Even more, Chrome added a new or added some features a while ago that uh, actually tell you whether or not the certificate for the site is valid, which is also a good thing to know.
1: No, that's profound. And while Matt was talking about that, I went ahead and pulled up, I got an iPhone, so default browser Safari for a lot of people. Uh, You go to google.com, you're immediately going to see it uh, replaced with also a lock at the front of the uh, domain name or the website name, right? And so, again, what does that mean? That just means that whoever the publisher of that website is has taken extra diligence to authenticate and validate that they are who they say they are as far as a domain, and they're going to put some additional security in front of their website. Uh, The reason Matt would say uh, something without that would lead users potentially down a harrowing path uh, is because it hasn't been validated, it hasn't been authenticated, uh, similar to like a, maybe a caller ID on your phone or or something that's able to vouch for is this number actually who they say they are, is this contact who they say they are you know, even on LinkedIn, Twitter and others, you know, they have validated with a government ID things, right? Mm-hmm. And so similar concept, right? Those websites are uh, scrutinized if they don't have HTTPS as a protocol. Um, but it is 100% a way to identify a website that maybe was spun up a few hours ago as a trap for users to walk into. Uh, and it's a really easy way. And look for the lock, right? Look for the, the icon. And uh, if it's got HTTPS, uh, doesn't mean you're you're all good, right? Every HTTPS is good, but it means that that website's gone through
2: some validation. That's a good point. Side note: Can you imagine how bad it would be if Admiral Akbar worked in cybersecurity?
1: Uh, it's a trap. It's all a trap, right?
2: You would hear that nonstop all you day, would. all night. You would. No, that's real.
1: Uh, let me think. So, what a you know, Elizabeth, restate the point. I know we were talking about specifically what are some indicators, right? Yeah, so I guess for end users, I'd have to say, again, it comes back to uh, number one, being vigilant. Uh, we are walking into a a time where burglars, uh, you know, robbers, threat actors alike, uh, are very well aware that everyone's looking for a deal. Everyone's looking for a deal. Everyone's looking uh-huh. for the best sale, the best price. Uh, the best value. Why? Well, because of the economy, and right now, a lot of people are more mindful about the, their pennies and where they're going, and I can't blame them. Uh, you know, specifically being able to budget around holiday time has always been a challenging thing for for everybody, regardless of if you're in cybersecurity or not. But specifically, uh, threat actors will use this as a weakness to exploit. And what do I mean? Well, you know, if you go online and you're using something like a price tracker or a browser add-in. Uh, for the best price possible across you know like reputable websites. Uh, we're not gonna name any, but the e-commerce ones of choice. Uh, we'll talk about second best buy or almostgoodbuy.com. Right? Uh, there's there's a couple out there that a lot of people Most frequent. Uh, glamazon.com is another one. Uh, Target, uh, from France is another one. Target.com. Uh, that's Target. So don't go to Target. That's target.com. <laughs> uh, but the point being is threat actors know that these are a lot of places where for users Chile. are commonly, uh, yeah, that's true. Walmart, Walmet. Uh, even if it's Walmet.com, that is not Walmart, right? But I will say that users are targeted, right? So I think it's just a matter of realizing that as a shopper, uh, I am looking for the best deal. But to just be uh, a healthy amount of suspicious over where you're, you're finding this price, uh, I think it's safe to say. Uh, if you're finding a price or you're finding an ad, like an advertisement, uh, make sure it's on the website that it's being advertised from, right? So if you're on, you're on, we'll just say Target, right? My wife loves Target. So Target.com, if you're looking at a Target ad on Target.com, probably reputable, right? But if you're scrolling and you're seeing a, an ad that will redirect you out of that website, uh, it, it is a common misconception that oh, because I found this ad on this website, then it's reputable. You know, same as if you're, you're scrolling Glamazon.com uh, and there's a sponsored item. You know, th- those people are paying more to have that item listed at the top. They may not be coming direct from the manufacturer. And so for end users, just to unpack this further, for any users that have shopped on Amazon specific to um, buying from the direct seller, you know? So if you're buying a phone case, you want to make sure it's coming from the direct seller, maybe not a third-party seller. And there's ways to look at that. But needless to say, be mindful of the advertisements that you're seeing. Everyone knows you're looking for a good deal and threat actors will seek to exploit this in the form of ads that, you know, people will say, well, how could they post malicious links or how could they post bad, uh, bad content or a, a piece of malware or virus in an ad? People are selling advertising space, you know, very, very few on the web. We're going to vet that use of advertising space, you know, it's, honesty it's- here. Yeah, send it.
2: Okay, I'm going to give you guys a little bit of nightmare fuel. First off, Facebook does not, or I'm sorry, Meta, or whatever you guys want to call yourselves, you suck at security. Um, they decide that they don't want to actually vet links that are posted in promoted sales or advertisements. Do so you guys know that? Yeah. So you very simply, you want to hit a large demographic of people with um, a downloader and I could actually do a live demo of this like right now because I have an IP address that I could use that you could embed in an image, automatically downloads malware. All you have to do is just get it out there. Right. You pay for the promotion. You set 20 bucks. Let's say right. you want to do that because you do 20 bucks, you're going to get two to 8 million people that are going to see it on average. They click it. There you go. You target something that people really, really want. Um, whatever the hot new toy is, say, you right. know, get this at a discount. We've said this before. People are the weak point. We are built to to have mistakes. We're built to make mistakes. So we know what's going to happen. The problem is we also know how to exploit our ability to make mistakes and prey on that, right. which is terrible. Right. So... You go to said link, you click on said link, said link downloads malicious content to your machine. Most home users, let's be honest here, they're not trying to target you with ransomware. There is no payout from your piggy bank that is going to be worth them facing federal jail time for crossing state lines and accessing your machine and, you know, all that fun stuff. But organizations, that's a good target. So what do you do? What's the best way to do this? You're working from home. You're using your your same machines, probably in the same network. Let's hit something that can crawl the network. Let's hit something that can find other IP addresses. Oh, better yet, you're using logins and passwords for these websites, right? What's the chance you reused one of those passwords as your password to log into your machine? What's the chance that you logged in using your username and password for your work machine to access your web uh, your web email or access remote desktop or access any other object? They get on the machine. They scrape the information. They now have access. Find a weak point. Hop onto your work machine. They've got access. Get a foothold. Laterally move once it's on the VPN. There you go. Yeah, there's your nightmare fuel for the day. That's
0: real. Yeah.
1: No, it's, it's not common. We get to minute 12 and we get nightmare fuel from Matt. So I got to say <laughs> I know. Uh, Christmas came early for everybody. Uh, rare
2: form, rare form.
1: No, nah, it's all right, man. That's all right. It's insightful um, again, because, you know, just the point to walk away with is just because it's an advertisement doesn't mean it's true. Just because it's an advertisement doesn't mean it's been vetted or validated. It just means somebody paid for that advertising block of space, yeah. the same as any billboard, on any highway, um, you know, so end users while you're shopping, while you're looking at those holiday ads. And, you know, the good thing is a lot of these brands will, will provide some form of like shopping guide or shopping catalog, you know, so those are trusted. They'll, you know, use those. They're, they're published by the, um, by the vendor itself. Uh, but specifically what you're going to find is, uh, you know, make sure you stick to those reputable sources. Make sure you're sticking to advertisements that are coming from the vendor themselves. Host on the vendor's website because it's a common, you know, it's a common thing when threat actors try to, uh, uh, you know, maybe uh, appeal to users or arouse or, or them away from a website. They're going to pull them out of that website where that security is, where that HTTPS protocol is, right? And they're going to try to lead you somewhere else. Now, some websites, maybe users have seen this. Will actually notify you: you are leaving blockworks.com, right? You are you are being redirected. I am letting you know because any content past this link is not put out by blockworks.com, right? So you'll, if you've ever seen that, that's a fun fact. That's why that is, because the uh, common misconception is is I clicked on this link on this website, and this is where I ended up. But again, that's not at that person's liability if, if that's where you ended up. But it's a good question, just a common couple ways to identify whether it's the website being secure, the advertisement being uh, maybe second-guessed in a healthy way. Uh, or that deal, you know, a hey, AirPods Pros, $29.99. There ain't no AirPods Pros for $29.99. You know what I mean? So apply that common
0: sense. I think it goes back into our previous discussions where if it's too good to be true, it is. Um, and something else that might also prove helpful, uh, in the month of October for cybersecurity awareness, we actually did post a um, little graphic on LinkedIn that kind of breaks down how to, Um, break down the security of a website, how to ensure it's a secure website. So that also might prove helpful. Uh, For me personally, I don't click on any social media ads of any sort because if it's too good to be true, it probably is. And um, I almost think of it as I've never purchased anything off of craigslist where you're meeting someone one-on-one rather than going to a store or buying from a well-known source such as target or amazon like you said so when you think of buying things from like these marketplaces or like unknown sites i would also like almost think as if you're doing this in person would you go and meet this person right in a parking lot or would you give them your address to come to your house probably not so you don't want to give them your information to ship you don't want to give them your information with your name and your credit card information as well so it's yep. something really important to think about great point speaking of credit cards <laughs> i know oh, it we sounds... some
2: good ones about this
0: yeah so i know it sounds nice to have your card um saved all your info saved your name your number your address um all that uh, you can save it in browsers you can save it in firefox you can save it on your phone um Me personally, I take the five minutes to go and get my card and it actually even saves me um, from accidentally purchasing things that I don't need because, you know, if it's an impulse buy, I'm not going to go grab my card. Um, So it may even help with that as well. But I think it's very important not to save your cards on these uh, platforms if it's not needed. Um, So with that being said, what practices should we adopt to secure our card information during online transactions? And how can we avoid saving card details when it's unnecessary?
2: Ooh, okay. So I'm going to throw this out there. This is something that not many people know actually exists. Mike, you know this exists because we've discussed this before. There are certain credit cards that you can leverage that if you would like to do uh, online purchases, you have the capability of making a one-time use card number. This is something that keeps you safe. It generates a completely new randomized card number within the, the you know realm of what they're able to use. Visa, MasterCard, Amex, whatever. Diner's Club, if you have it. That might be a bit old. Um, but it allows you to use that as a one-time purchase. It will still link back to your account. Your payment will go through, etc. But you're not running the risk of putting your card out there. We've all had it happen. I had somebody from a hotel in Arkansas when I went there that took the credit card and went on a shopping spree at a sports store. They called me asking why I bought a bunch of racquetball stuff. I didn't even know what racquetball was until I found out that I apparently purchased a whole bunch of stuff. (laughs) So that was less fun. Um, But that keeps you safe because it's that one-time purchase. So they can take that card, they can take the uh, the CBC number or whatever. There you go. They try it, it fails, doesn't exist anymore.
1: Yeah, no, it's a great point. And it's uh, it's awesome that Matt and I are on the same page here. So I actually have some content. I want to throw it up here. So this is, shameless plug, privacy.com. Okay, <laughs> so privacy.com. Matt, maybe this is the same exact thing you were thinking of and use, but So here's what's awesome about this, and I use this routinely, okay? So what happens is you connect a bank account to this secure website, and then you can go ahead and generate, just as Matt said, specific debit card numbers and CVCs that you can use that uh, act as masquerades for your payment info. So if these get leaked, not the end of the world. You don't got to reissue your credit card. You don't got to call your bank and say, hey, I'm now in need of a new debit card number, and you wait a week or whatever it is. But here's the beauty of this: you can set spending limits. And I use this for memberships or subscriptions. So if I know that Netflix is supposed to be twelve ninety nine a month, or maybe it was twelve ninety nine in nineteen ninety three. I don't know what it is now. Uh, About twenty two dollars a month. I was like twenty three ninety nine. Yeah. So yeah. you can set the spending limit monthly. It can make it one time, monthly, weekly, yearly, and it will decline if it is charged any more than the limit you set or any more than the frequency you set. Mm-hmm. So I use this to keep a wrap on the subscriptions before the cost starts drifting. You can put this on your phone bill. You can put this on whatever, right? And again, what it generates is a secure 16-digit card number, super practical use platform. Obviously, use it at your own risk, right? I'm not saying anything's more safe than, than anything else. Maybe you have your own tool preferred, but I know that it's safer than putting your debit credit card, heaven forbid, your checking and routing number, on any website, on any auto pay, uh, because that's a, the auto pay specifically I think of is is something that a lot of people zone out about. They just, ah, well, I assume whatever the transaction is, it's it's going through. So this is helpful to keep some eyes on it. Uh, if you do want to keep your credit card info safe, it gets a free website. They have a paid tier, depending on how many cards you want to spin up, right? I think it's like two or three basic that are free, but specifically allows you to build out you know, Hey, if I know I'm going to Walmart and I'm going to shop for this much money, I'm going to the website and I know I'm spending no more than $180, right? It's also a helpful budgeting tool, maybe not intentionally, but it sets your spending limit. And then it would, again, enforce that, uh, from that point forward. So if you are looking for a way to further harden your credit card info, when you shop online, or if you just have bills that are recurring each month, uh, privacy.com super helpful. Super useful. Go check it out. Shameless plug. They didn't sponsor the stream. They didn't sponsor me. Uh, they don't send me any money. I don't have a referral code. Maybe I should have. But that's one way that's really easy uh for you to add some level of uh security by and an anonymity uh as far as your your credit card goes.
0: Thank you for that. Um I think another thing to think about as well is you know, anytime you're checking out at any store um in person, there's a whole wall full of gift cards and um prepaid cards you're Mm -hmm. there you're in person you can purchase those cards and use that for your online shopping um additionally this is what I use when I go on cruises or when I know that I'm going out of state while I'm traveling I don't notify and tell my bank oh I'm traveling uh please you know turn off any borders or anything of that nature I go ahead and get that prepaid card where I'm from that way there's no question on how much i'm going to spend so again it kind of helps with the budget a little bit oh, brilliant I'm, uh, yeah <laughs> it i missed this help. on the disney trip last <laughs> week this is brilliant yeah oh especially going to disney you're going to yeah. something like that <laughs> so so you don't go over um your i guess preset right. limit and yeah. you're, you're keeping your information safe so i don't know how many times i've gotten those gift cards um or the prepaid cards so those are also very helpful mm-hmm. so a really popular thing nowadays is Apple wallets. Um, You can have your Apple wallet set up on your TVs now to where your kids could just buy a, you know, a a rented movie and just double click on the phone. You know, they're convenient. um, And I guess, you know, Mm -hmm. a lot of people use it, but what would you do to ensure that the information stays secure if you are using things like like Apple Watch? I mean, Apple wallets apple
1: sorry pay, apple any yeah and there's google I pay too and Samsung. Apple pay. Wallet all the time yeah uh well i surely won't give my kids
2: my wallet ever no. they do <laughs> have it and for what they use mine's already learned how to order things on amazon i'm already trying to battle right. that one
1: Uh-oh. yeah no that's a <laughs> true story my two-year-old bought a book on my kindle i didn't even know that was possible right and i'm still learning things so no i think you know this is there's a lot of i will say this as a preface a lot of People listen to our stream, our podcast, and our, our recordings. There's a lot of heated debate on physical plastic, paper cash, and Apple Pay, Google Pay, uh, you know, like Samsung Pay. Um, here's what I know specifically, uh, Apple Pay is the one I've done the most research on. It does a very good job of giving the least possible amount of details to the vendor, uh, during the exchange. So, I'm talking specifically like your tap to pays. Uh, terminals and whatever. I know that it's safer at gas pumps. I know that it's safer in credit, like in stores where you swipe. Like I, I for mm-hmm. my, from my experience level, uh-huh. in my research, uh, it's generally safer uh, because it's doing some level of, uh, again, anonymizing all of the data that ties back to you as opposed to just physically handing somebody your credit card where they could swipe it. There's NFC readers, there's flippers. There's all these crazy devices out there uh, that as pictured in exhibit B up there. <laughs> Um, I was but specifically to mention that you, yeah, you can I literally that.
2: take a credit card and by using this, steal every bit of the information from the credit card to make a clone.
1: Mm-hmm. Right. And it's interesting because, uh, you know, again, this is where users are, are better educated than they are scared is, you know, you've noticed a lot of changes with your debit cards recently, your credit cards. So mm-hmm. we've had a magnetic stripe for a very long time, very long time. Then came the chip right and, and what is it about the chip that's more secure than strip the and then maybe on your holiday gift roster is an nfc blocking wallet right what does that mean near field communications <laughs> right i'm just saying it's on some of these a lot of these like for dad's get a, your gadget guy daily carries right there's a lot of these but specifically with the, the danger with magnetic strip is it is something so uh simple in technology that it can be easily uh, how do you say swiped Right. And in multiple terms of the word. Right. So you can get there the information were wallets of it.
2: you could actually buy that you would take the card, take the, the card out that came with the wallet. You would then hold the button down, put your card in, take it out, put the other card back in, and it would now create a blank card that had yeah. your information stored on it and it was all in in the little thing itself. i have one upstairs the battery's dead on it was it the coin i can't remember what it was it was one of the first ones about. that came out it was a, a black wallet that was chunky and never worked right and yeah. that yeah um but i had like six cards in that right and found that there were there were flaws because you could use that technology and you could basically clone anybody's card you wanted exactly in like 15 seconds or less
1: exactly so thus came the chip which was much mm-hmm. more difficult because that data was stored locally, almost like a SIM card. If you ever look at it and you look at a SIM card, you're like, "Those look really familiar." That's because they are, uh, and they're much more secure. They can't be, how do you say, uh, hovered over a scanner or put through a, a detector, if you will, and
2: pull the like data cars off cars that used to have the security chips on the keys themselves. Right. I know Chevy did this in a lot of their upper-end cars, like the Z28, the Super Sport, uh, some of their higher-end SUVs. The keys actually had a physical chip on them that had to be, you know, when you put the key in, it would read that chip and allow you to actually do things. Same premise.
1: Exactly. And now the interesting thing is now we've gone to tap to pay with debit cards and credit cards, right? This is the most recent thing. If you have gotten any new card in the mail recently from your bank uh, or your lender of choice, whoever it is, right? Your credit union. Now we're back to tap to pay, right? So again, I think if I look at those three options. And I look at Apple Pay or I look at Google Pay or Samsung Pay, right? I think, um, is it more safe when I'm walking around the store, I'm walking around the mall uh, to use the tap to pay on my phone? I believe that there's more secure technology in that than the piece of plastic our banks just send us. right? But it's all levels of risk. And I think that's an important point that we harp on often in the cybersecurity community, but it's also relevant here for end users, uh, you know, kind of listening and eager to learn how they could stay safe during the holiday season is uh you know apple pay it's funny that there's suspicion of the security there just as much as there is with people who just prefer to use cash right and there's there's nothing wrong with paper but i i personally i i am better november 16th that elizabeth brought up this gift card idea because i think that's brilliant there's security there's budgeting in that there's so many good habits right hey give your kid hundred dollar gift card whatever they go to the mall and that's their mm-hmm. budget, right? Like, uh, let, them, let them go crazy. Let them go pick out what they want. But when the card run out, it's out of money. And that's a life lesson. That's a personal finance lesson that they'll learn, right? Because when the card's out of money, the card's out of money. There's no borrowing, right, at an interest rate. And so, but specifically, so I know really that cool. much about
2: Apple Pay. We're talking about, you know, using the Apple wallet. Did you guys know that the Apple card has the functionalities that we're talking about as a default? So I was just actually looking in here and seeing and everything that it has in here will tell, I mean, it, it's it's all fake, basically. It ties back to right. the actual titanium card, but it's not the actual number. And you can actually click in the app and say, request new card number, and it will generate a new virtual number for you, Right. which is extremely awesome. I love right. it.
0: Yeah, so, and to go a little bit deeper on that as well. Um, I actually use a an, another app and I'll just go ahead and say what it is, it's Cash App. I use Cash App and yeah. I have it linked to my actual bank. Um, however, it has a limit and not only that, but it doesn't automatically pool. So I have to physically go and add cash um, oh. into Cash App and that is what's connected to my Apple Pay. So. If somehow, someway, things went sour with Apple Pay, say I have $50 in my Cash App, that's mm-hmm. all that would be available. It's not going to tie back to my card. So it's hidden behind the Cash App card number or rate, banking routing number right. um, and account number because Cash App also has their own numbers. And then behind the Apple Pay. So it's kind of a, a double pane glass in the way, which yeah. is really helpful.
1: Two degrees of separation there.
0: Yeah, I think it's also really important to um, when you uh, set up your Apple Pay, I believe there's a way to where you don't have to unlock your phone or put in any kind of passwords or anything of that nature. I think it's really important to, number one, have some sort of, you know, uh, password needed um, face recognition or um, anything of that nature just to have another layer of protection. I get that it's convenient to be able to just tap your phone and walk away. However, it takes two seconds to, you know, face your phone towards your towards yourself to unlock it and ensure that if you do lose your phone, no one can just go walk around and tap to pay and anywhere they'd like. So
1: exactly. Now, that cash app, that's clever. I'm I'm learning stuff. If anybody's listening to this (laughs) after the fact, I'm over here like I'm taking notes and not that I don't take notes every safety brief, but these are brilliant (laughs) little nuggets of wisdom on how to. How to, you know, protect your hard-earned money, uh, especially during this holiday season, where you spend a good amount on a gift, and then that's not actually the gift, and now you're out of your, your spending money that you budgeted. Right? That's a scary mm-hmm. thing. So, yeah.
0: so this is something uh, you should be more prevy on, um, Mike, as you set up our annual gift exchange. Oh, yes. uh, when, when engaging in uh, gift exchange or using lesser-known sites, uh, what steps can we take to verify the authenticity? and security of the platform and how would you go about choosing your giftless slash exchange platform
2: throw darts at
1: a wall that's a good (laughs) question so i don't have a great answer here with any like profound nuggets of wisdom but I will say we do leverage a platform uh, that we've used for a number of years uh specific to coordinating like secret sanders across state lines and things like that where it's uh, you have a lot of people that are remote they're not in the physical location that may be to attend a gift exchange like this um, but I will say this about putting stuff on your wish list about creating wish lists online you need to be very careful on how public these wish lists are and here's why so, if mm-hmm. I go ahead and publicize, you know, let's say, uh, you know, uh, rhetorically, let's play with Matt's wish list, right? So, I'm Matt, oh, and I'm, I'm creating a wish list, and, you know, I'd really love this holiday season if Santa or whoever's coming down my chimney brings me uh, a new game controller, okay? And then I put on a couple other things, and then I put on some heating pad and some massage chair and whatever, right? I go crazy. And I make this public. This is open source information. Mm-hmm. So if anybody gets access to this information or searches my profile on on Glamazon or or whatever it is, right, um, you know, that's information that can be used against you in theory. So I would just be careful. You know, there is a way to, like, share links privately. This also applies to wedding registries and baby registries uh, oh, yeah, where your represent. address may be public to those with that link. And I know this isn't specific to holiday shopping, but it's a common time of year where people are making uh, these lists and these registries and things like this. And it's something to keep in mind, right? Because your address is typically, in 99% of the the cases, your your domicile, your place where you live, place where you tuck your kids in bed at night. So uh, it's another thing with gift registries to keep in mind where you're publishing this information, how that link is being shared, how that link is accessed online. Uh, is another thing to really be keep uh, mindful because again, with if I have your address and what your interests are and your name, I can craft a really compelling email that says, "Hey, I was notified by Los Angeles Police Department that your package containing this was stolen. Please click here to get in contact with the patrol officer who's been assigned to this case." Like scary stuff, right? Scary, and all I needed was your in- your name your address which is now conveniently tied to this gift link and the things that you're interested in and, and that's a very compelling email and that could spook some users really easily but it's again threat actors are only as powerful as we enable them to be so the the takeaway the application is be mindful of where you're putting this information how publicly accessible it is and who can get their hands on it and what that could be done with it if it is accessed
2: we talk about the threat actors and them being as strong as we enable them to be. Well, how about the opposite side of that? How about the threat actors enabling us to be as weak as we could possibly be? So there's an, there's a, uh, a current trend occurring right now. It's called the wrong number trend. You guys heard of it? Tell us. Okay. You get a text message. I mean, it's, harmless i mean we get them all the time i get them all the time i don't answer them but i get them all the time they're going to send you something and it's going to be a wrong number you're going to respond back to them and you're going to say i believe you have the wrong number blah blah blah. well they're going to just strike up a conversation with you this conversation will go on they'll endear themselves to you they'll do what they can to try and be your best friend, although you're getting catfished by Phil, who's you know sitting over in some random place. Gotta
0: but what they're going to do, exactly—that's
2: that's the glory. That's what the glory of this is. Uh, they go through once they endear themselves to you. They start talking about, "Hey, I, I have an, I, I have a tip for you because I'm making a whole bunch of money doing this. <laughs> well, what's the the hot thing these days? Crypto." should be called crypto, but crypto. So they're going to send you a link and they're going to say, you can make a ton of money off of this. You put a little bit in there. They're going to give you a link to a website. You're going to look and you're going to see that you're, you know, already seeing 20 to 30% return on, on your, uh, your crypto. Cool. It's fake. You're not seeing a return on anything. Your money went to some other account that or some other wallet that you can never get that out of. They're showing you a return. Every time you make a further, you know, purchase of crypto, it keeps track of that and keeps showing you the return and your total account balance. There's people right now that they've lost, you know, half a million dollars doing this. They'll log in, they'll try to withdraw and they get a, a, you know, a message back saying there's no account, apologies, or they'll get something saying in order to withdraw that amount, you need to deposit 20% to ensure that all fees, etc., are covered. You'll get that back as you know a part of the process. Put in that extra 20%, you don't see anything. Nothing comes back. Even more fun, because of the nature of crypto, there's no suspect. Use a burner phone. You run it through, you know, zero logging VPN. Good luck. You're out. Count, you're out, you know, hundreds of thousands of dollars. Someone else is sitting over there just laughing and smiling. Phil's over there planning on how much Popeye's he's going to buy. There you go.
0: Love the Popeyes there. <laughs> um,
2: it's a weekly thing for me. So yeah, I yeah it's a I weekly have thing to. for Phil too. You guys exactly. on over that. Yeah. Hi, I'm Phil. How are most you? likely.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so no, I love that you brought up the, the fact that keeping those lists should be private. Um, that's something that I actually um, was able to look into uh, last year when we first started doing the gift exchange. I had no idea what to put on there.
2: Right. And
0: um, the first the thing I was with, Well, the first thing I went and did was look at everyone else's who had a public list and uh, just to to kind of see what they had on there, which, you know, obviously wasn't malicious coming from me. However, like you said, that could turn very malicious very quickly.
1: Right. Mm -hmm. Um,
0: And I think that it's been a very popular thing to tell um, this is what I'm wearing. This is where I got it, especially huge on social media. So I think that that's something that people should really look out for is sharing those lists. It has your address. It has, um, you know, all the information that someone would need for recon in a sense. So I think it's really important to highlight that. Um, I think it's really important to also make sure that again, they're secure sites. They're secure checkout. Um, you could also use the same tactics that we talked about on our previous uh, safety brief uh, end user segment. Uh, where we talked a little about how to stay safe on online as well. So that's really helpful. Absolutely.
1: (sighs) Yeah, especially taking into account if you add anything to that registry and there's kids' sizes, you know, it's very easy to associate, like, kids' clothing garment sizes to their age, right? So, okay, if I could put two and two together and you got a, a 4T and a youth small and a youth extra large, right? Like, you just, especially for under five years old, that's just, Really, really exercise an abundance of caution with that stuff. And again, grandma, grandpa, auntie, uncle, sister, brother, everyone's going to want, what do you want? What can I get them? What can I get the grandkids get or cards. whatever? Yeah, it's just something to be very, very cognizant of what you're sharing, where you're putting it, how accessible it is. Uh, Just be mindful. Just be we mindful. And that's about, for all the parents out there.
2: This, this is more for, for parents. We talk about sanitizing things. When you have a baby, the first thing you do is you learn how to sanitize everything because they're going to put it in their mouth. Well, guess what? The baby stuff isn't the only thing that needs to be sanitized. You need to go through and sanitize anything that you are posting online. If you post a picture and it has an address or a semi truck, um, you want to make sure that that's not clearly visible. Uh, as your your kids get older, they graduate. They post up their degree, a picture of them holding it. Make sure you can't see the information on the degree. If you can figure that out, you can basically take all of that information, and you could create a credit card account. You could create whatever you want. It becomes very dangerous. Very very basic, you know, information can be used in a very dangerous way to really you know, cause you financial harm. And that's part of what we want to try and help everybody prevent is getting into that kind of situation.
0: I'm glad you brought that up. And like I previously said, um, this is all really helpful information. This is stuff that we kind of talked on a little bit on our previous stream as well. So I think this was such a perfect topic to jump into after our previous end user bootcamp where you can uh, check out and see a lot of other things like that, how to stay safe, how to stay, um, keep your privacy, I guess, more heightened online, uh, which is really uh, an important topic. Mm -hmm. Uh, But to switch over to our last um, little question in this stream, um, something really popular is um, online checkouts where you have to log in, you have to create an account Um, And this is also something we spoke about a little bit in our previous stream. Um, So when you have to create an account and log in with your email and um, all that nature, how can we stay more secure uh, when we're adding those items to our shopping carts and checking out and those um, type of sites?
2: I use a throwaway email address. This is not a promotion, but I will throw this out there. Proton Mail is great if you want to use a throwaway email address. It's trusted by bad actors worldwide that commit ransom fraud, so you know it's obviously secure because they're trusting it. So why not? Um, but that's one of the things that that I would first suggest is anytime you're gonna you're gonna have to create an account for someplace, use an email address that isn't the one that you're primarily using. You're going to end up on every list out there. You're going to get a whole bunch of spam and junk that you don't care about. Just make it a throwaway account. You never have to check the stupid thing unless they make you validate your email address, which a lot of them do. But after that, who cares? You can just use that same email address for all the sites you go to that you're buying stuff from. You don't have to worry about your main email being compromised. Yeah,
1: I'd I'd have to agree with that. I think also, you know, your phone number, could be used to do a lot of damage if it's in the wrong hands. Uh, you know, I often tell people and maybe it's a hyperbole or maybe it's just helpful, but you could do more damage with someone's phone number than their social security number in 2023. And so, uh, you know, just guarding that being really certain where you're putting that. I know we've talked about in the past other platforms where you can anonymize your phone number. You can get a a routing number for a, a free online call service. Um, Et cetera, et cetera, But again, I think it's just, there's common patterns, right? Guarding your information, uh, is a big one. Using reputable sites is a big one. Don't fall for scams that sound too good to be true is a big one. Um, you know, advertisements and where they are may or may not mean they're legitimate. So okay. using context clues on where these ads originate from, where they're being accessed, how you're accessing them, where they're leading you, You know, so like if you start a transaction on Apple's website, you're going to be on Apple's website the entire time. You click an advertisement on any other website, you know, if you're on Best Buy or whatever.com, they'll sell ad space. They'll sell ad space in their uh, search results section. So if you are returning results for a TV or a game console or whatever's on whoever's Phil's Christmas list, right? Phil's going to be the the, the contestant for the rest of the stream here. Uh, Whatever's on Phil's Christmas list, You're going to get results, but some of those may be from Best Buy. Some of them may not be. They're going to lead you away from the website. So just be wary when you're 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 clicking around and you're seeing a new tab open or a new window open. You know, maybe pump the brakes, exercise a little bit of caution. And again, the biggest thing I can advise is if you're shopping on your mobile phone, everything's smaller, everything's harder to see, double check, triple check your address. You know, this is even not even a security thing, but it's more of like a. Uh, just shop smart thing don't exactly. miss a single number in address line you send it somewhere else now you're on a wild goose chase to get your item and uh it, very few people during this time real t- retailer wise are going to entertain i shipped it to the wrong place i'm so sorry right like it's they got they, so many requests yeah, coming in.
2: So just here's the full- other thing humans by nature suffer from hubris quite a bit of it in fact uh a lot of people are going to sit there and say, Oh, this will never happen to me. Well, when it does, we call that death by hubris. So you will fall victim to yet another in the many of the failings. With what Mike is saying, with what Elizabeth is saying, it's very common. All of this is just like 101 stuff. Just be diligent. Look at what you're doing. Don't rush. I know this time of the year sucks. It's good. It's bad. It's good because you get time with family. It's bad because Well, you're scrambling, trying to get everything done for that time with family. Little details can get overlooked. You don't need an office space situation. You don't need to put a decimal place in the wrong spot. You don't need to, you know, just click on the wrong site. It's very straightforward. You can be safe. We can help you.
1: Yeah. One saved round that just came to mind that I really want to make sure we don't miss on this uh, stream and the recording is this is a really popular time for giving, charitable donations, charitable contributions, whether it's local church, local local nonprofit, local food bank, uh, soup kitchen, whatever. Right. It's a very the next ninety days account for like eighty percent of all annual giving at a lot of these nonprofits, right? Because they're pushing for year end for budget, everything else, right? So please, please, please. If there is a physical drop box or a physical place to drop that donation off, get a receipt for it and validate that transaction. Uh, I'm going to highly advise against online giving, unless you're absolutely certain without a shadow of a doubt that you are at the right website, at the right nonprofit, going to get a receipt via email or via the mail. It's most likely going to be email if you're online. But again, I just I I know from a nonprofit, I've worked with a lot of nonprofits and done a lot of work in that way. This is like a big giving season for a lot of those seeking to meet their year end goal, whether it's a radio station. Right. You're calling in. Make sure you get the number right. Stuff like that. Right. Just be extra cautious. There's a lot of that going on over the next 60 Mm -hmm. to 90 days. Um, Be really, really vigilant. be really american red
2: cross is going to start working from a whole bunch of different domain names you did not know that they own
1: yeah just and again and we (laughs) see this stuff spike when it's specifically after like really um high profile news uh humanitarian crises right so Mm -hmm. fires in uh lahaina uh i believe is in hawaii right so that was one uh huge earthquake in iceland uh Obviously, all the global conflict, geopolitical conflict right now, humanitarian aid going there, storms passing through the Caribbean, things like that, right? So just be extra, extra cautious who is asking you for charitable donations during the next 90 days, how they are sending you to those charitable donations, right? I, I work in th- like innately with a local church, and they're like, click this QR code to give. I, I cringe. I get it. It's accessible. But find the physical Dropbox, find the physical envelope. If you need to go buy a 10-year a, a supply of envelopes, because they only sell them in packs of 100, and we're never going to use more than two a year, right? Go buy it. It's a worthy investment. But just I really, really want to caution people because there's a lot of good-hearted people out there. The holiday time kind of brings that out of a lot of people as well. Uh, but don't get caught getting exploited during a really, really ripe season to give and donate. Uh, but it's, it's something that a lot of people prey on. And it's sad and it's unfortunate, but I merely say that awareness uh, so end-users are better off while they're shopping and donating online?
2: For churches, a lot of the smaller churches you'll find do not necessarily have a domain um, or the users will send from their personal email addresses. That makes it really easy for somebody to go in there and send you a link to donate or pretend to donate and there goes your money. The best option if you're going to deal with a church, a group, etc., anybody, the Red Cross, um, ASPCA, anybody. Find a local branch, walk in, make the donation in person. Right. Not you only can you get a... Re- yeah, I, that, thank you. I was going to say. They are not only something you can claim on your taxes as a deduction, right. but it also is a record that you made everything exactly. that you can keep. So you you know, oh, look, I actually did make this one for 500. Oh, this one for 14,000, I probably did not make.
1: Right. No, exactly. Yeah. Again, you want proof that your money left your account, was debited, ideally not credited, Mm -hmm. right? It should be an immediate pull. uh, Correct. And and you have a receipt to validate the amount. Because here's what happens. If you get into a situation, heaven forbid, where you uh, sponsor a a, a child overseas, right, and it's during like a giving auction or whatever it is, and you are tracking that $250 should leave your account, and you don't have a receipt for that, what's going to happen is that'll be debited out of your account. What happens when three more transactions for $250 come out? And then you have to go to your bank's fraud department. What is the fraud department going to ask for? Give me the receipt, receipt. Give me the validation, the proof of purchase of what you authorized. And if you don't have that, and again, not trying to scare people, a lot of good natured people are going to give over the next 90 days. And you should give generously out of plenty, out of lean. But the point being just protect yourself, arm yourself, armor yourself with a case. If you do go to give, if you do go to donate, get that receipt, get that proof of purchase, whatever it is to Matt's point shows up on your tax return. And that's a good receipt to have, but you just want absolute assurance, whether it's physical, whether it's in person, whether it's whatever um that your money's going to where your heart wants it to go to
0: i'm so glad that you brought that up that's something that i didn't even think to put in here so that's a, a great topic especially during the holiday season um and to touch a little bit on what matt said with the burner emails i completely agree i use the same practices um even though i click not to receive any newsletters or anything of that nature the email that i use on all my my shopping and checkouts is so full of spam, but the great part about that is we don't get the spam emails because we don't open them. You open the one email to activate your account, and that's it. Maybe go in there and look to see if, you know, the item that you purchased is on its way. Um, However, my main emails, my school emails have zero uh, spam, which is very nice. kind of keep that clean and it it takes away a little bit of the worry. Uh, One thing I also wanted to touch on, um, talking about physical addresses a lot, uh, something that you can also do, which was also brought up in our previous discussion, is set up a P.O. box. If you're wanting to keep your personal address safe when you're doing these, um, you know, wish lists or if you're ordering online, having that P.O. box is also really helpful. So 100
1: percent agree. Yeah. And there's other services. I know PO, like the your local post office will have a P.O. box. UPS, FedEx sometimes offer post services where they'll give you a post box of a varying size. For mail, for packages, for et cetera, That's a great option. One quick aside on the email piece: if you're creating a burner email, don't use your first initial last name in your burner no. email. Okay, Please don't. Right, like yeah, get, yeah, that's an opportunity for you to be creative. You know, stretch your creative legs. You know, make it whatever you want. Lizard people, three fifty-five. Right, I don't care. Right, it doesn't matter what your email is. It's just as long as you can read it and you can open it. Then it's great, right? And so, but again, it's just something to keep in mind. You know, a lot of people are, what can I remember? What's easy? Things like that. You want to, you know, anonymize any form of contact info that could tie it back to you while you're shopping. You know, again, because if I have first initial last name in my email address, and now my email's out there, well, they can go and easily crawl my identity online if they have my email. And then they can tie that activity together. So great point on a burner email, just anonymize it. Don't use your last name or any key identifiers. First name's fine, right? Use first name and your birth year, whatever you want. But, um, you know, For I would nicknames. stay away from any, yeah, nicknames, high school names, right? The nicknames your coworkers give you that you maybe chose or didn't choose, uh, <laughs> you know, Bunyan <paul.bunyon> at blockworks.com <laughs> could be one, but. Regardless, I have one again. from
2: yesterday's shenanigans. I could use.
1: Yeah, no, there's a lot. So find some creative energy there. Use your imagination. Obviously, uh, as long as it's uh, in in the brown in the bounds of uh, you know something that you could easily remember and access as you need to look at those orders and find that tracking info. Um, yeah, all good stuff.
0: Well, to close out today's discussion. Uh, Our digital safety is paramount, especially when engaging in online shopping, as we stated. Uh, By staying informed and adopting secure practices, we can navigate the vast online marketplace without compromising our personal information. So remember, your privacy is in your own hands. Stay safe, stay frosty, and happy shopping this holiday season. And again, thank you both for being here and for some great uh, topics.
1: This was great. I learned a ton.